Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast version 220, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. We got a lot to get into here on this episode. The Cowboys free agency going exactly to a T the way that you figured it would. But outside of that, the rest of the NFL is not going exactly how you figured it would. I mean, holy hell, there's been some movement this offseason. We got a lot of fun stories to get to in the block. Clarence Hill Jr. from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram is going to join us here on this episode as well. Get his thoughts and, and dive into Cowboys with him a little bit. But as always, we start off by telling you about Greening Law and the message that they want you to know. If you've been hurt in a car accident, hell, I was talking to him earlier today because we are getting to a point where we're trying to push things forward with what I'm going through. And sent him an email, said, hey, had a couple of questions, got back to me, explained, yeah, we've got this going and this, and we'll probably schedule something for you next week and we'll get you on the phone. I was like, awesome, that'll work. And, and they're just with you every step of the way, whether it's a car accident like me malpractice from a physician, you were injured on the premises of a business. They've represented clients for a variety of reasons, but you need to give them a call. Let them be your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Well, the thing about it is, man, is that it doesn't cost anything whatsoever to pick up the phone and give the folks at Greening Law a call. It's 972-934-8900. And when they pick up the phone and say, hey, here's my situation, what do you think? And uh, they'll either say, yeah, we think that's a really good fit, or no, we don't think it works for us, good luck. But if they take you on as a client, it's fantastic, man, because they're one of the best in the business. Uh, They answer all the questions you have. They answer the questions you didn't even know you're supposed to have. And for me, I love them because they don't get paid unless you get paid. And as you mentioned, that consultation is free. So give them a call, 972-934-8900, 934-8900. It's Robert Greening, Offices, Dallas, Texas. Oh, the Cowboys at free agency. I, I'm, we're not surprised. Like I said, I mean, this is what the Cowboys do in free agency. The neat thing is they actually signed some people that weren't on the team last year. So that's kind of cool. Now, the, the couple of signings that they've had so far... And I don't know how much this really moves the needle for anybody. One of them is a wide receiver, James Washington. 
A lot of people are probably going to remember him. He came out of Oklahoma State as that dude who could burn. Ran a lot of those go routes at Oklahoma State. Had a huge year. Ended up falling just out of the first round and was a second round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He did four years in Pittsburgh. I like this signing a lot because the risk value for the Cowboys is super low. They got him one year for $1.035 million. This is a guy in James Washington. Had a rookie season. Okay, decent. His second year was his best year in the NFL. His third year was the year that Big Ben got hurt and they went through a bunch of crappy quarterbacks. His fourth year was when Big Ben played and was basically throwing the football with T-Rex arms and couldn't throw it down the field. So you're banking on year two James Washington with a healthy deck. I don't know if I'm banking on that because I'm not sure the role with CeeDee Lamb and you've got obviously Michael Gallup and hopefully he's healthy. But I think for a million dollars for a guy who might be a solid number three wide receiver for you, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're optimistic. I could give two dead flies about James Washington, the football player. <laughs> I mean, he ain't never done shit, and so I don't expect him to do anything here. Well, he is certainly entitled to prove me wrong and make me make us replay this clip uh, down the road. But to me, he's just a guy, and, you know, it's whatever. He's got speed, and he is, like, to me, he's like a poor man's Michael Gallup. Like that role, if you're like, hey, just go and, and run and Dak can get it to you. His second yeah. season in the year in the league, he had 44 catches for 735 yards. That was almost 17 yards a catch. And then after yeah, that, like I would take that. Yeah, see, and that's what I'm saying is that you look at that team with Pittsburgh. That's before Ben Roethlisberger, obviously before he got hurt and, and before he kind of – actually, that was the year he got hurt. That's right, 2019 was the year he got hurt when they actually had somebody who could throw the ball down the field. That's what it was. I knew it was one of those two things because that was the year that Ben only played a couple of games. You know, and you look at some of the wide receivers that he was competing with, James Washington was second behind their running uh, – no, it was Deontay Johnson. That's who it was. Remember, he had that kind of breakout year, got a bunch of targets, and they were trying – Juju Smith-Schuster had kind of burst onto the scene as well. But I just feel like if you're using him as a number three guy, like I, th I think to me that he has more upside than Cedric Wilson does personally, but we'll see. Hmm. Interesting. Now, it could be the fact that I've seen Cedric Wilson make some plays, and just because I'm not watching Pittsburgh with that kind of intensity, I haven't seen James Washington do much. So he's certainly entitled to surprise me, but for now uh, he falls into the <laughs> – category all right i mean again to me we'll see I, I i was when i saw that i was like okay that's a signing that i'm cool with dante fowler coming over is interesting one year one million dollars and i think most of us are like oh yeah he's really good yeah he was with the rams for one year he had double digit sacks then he went to atlanta for a couple of seasons and really didn't do much but he apparently is a dan quinn guy since he was in Atlanta with Dan Quinn. And again, it's one year, $1 million. Keanu O'Neill, Casey, some of these guys that have come over from Atlanta that had time with Quinn had really good years last year for the Cowboys. Maybe this is the next. He, too, falls into the... Category for your boy. But that's okay. Uh, at least he's a live body. Uh, he, at least at one point in his career, uh, a couple seasons, had success. Uh, he's got 35 career sacks, so uh, he does have a, a bit of ability to get to the to the quarterback. But at this point of his career, you know, to me, he's kind of just a uh, 
role player. But I will say this, Dan Quinn has got a good eye for who fits in his scheme and who can take advantage of things in his scheme. And so I'll give him a slight benefit of the doubt. That being said, I don't, okay, let me just put it like this. And I was going to say don't judge me, but you can if you want to. I was significantly more excited about re-signing the punter than I was either of these two guys. <laughs> okay. And, I, you know, I think there's some fairness to that. Dante Fowler, again, he's, he'll be 28 by the time the season begins. So in the prime of his career, at his age 26 and 27 seasons, the dude has a combined seven and a half sacks. Yeah. But, he, but you know, I mean, I, I know what they're doing. They're like, hey, if we can get you on a rotation and get you – you know, to be active right. and all that kind of stuff. We can, you know, you can be a solid player for us. Everything else the Cowboys have done is their own guys, which we knew they were going to do, and we knew they'd go bargain basement hunting, hoping, hey, is James Washington got something in, in Pittsburgh because he was behind Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson and then Chase Claypool that he wasn't able to produce? Kick ass. If we find out that he does, it's a million bucks. If we don't, it's only a million bucks and we needed a wide receiver. And it's the exact same thing with Dante Fowler Jr. Can, can he return to what he was with the Rams that one year when they traded for him and they got him at 11 and a half sacks? Or is he just going to be a guy like he has been the last two seasons in Atlanta? We needed somebody on the edge. It's a body. It's a million bucks. Neither of these is going to hurt the Cowboys. Their own re-signings, obviously the big one was the Michael Gallup. Uh, Jerron Curse is coming back. He signed a two-year, $10 million deal after coming off a huge season last year. As you mentioned, Brian Anger, three years, $9 million. And you got to like that, man. Like you said, if all you needed I mean, was a Pro Bowl punter and an All-Pro, well, he was such a weapon last year, they paid him. And for a punter, I'm taking it, man, especially for a team like this where field position may be a big deal. Well, I tried to explain this to somebody on Twitter, and then I said, okay, you can't really get it, so I'm not going to waste any more time with you. Um, most punters are middle-of-the-league guys, and there's really not much difference between them. Um, but when a guy's one of the two or three best in the league, and that's what Anger was last year, if you watch the games, you should have been able to see the difference. If you're a Cowboys fan and you watch the games, you should have seen what he could do in terms of field position or keeping guys from returning kicks by pinning them against the sideline. Uh, he was he was really good. Uh, he was so good that I noticed him. And I've been doing this long enough that I don't really notice the punter most of the time. But he was so good, he made you notice him. And so I like that. Uh, I love the curse signing because I thought he was an integral part of their defense. Mm -hmm. And his relationship with Dan Quinn, to me, means you can maximize his talent. You also saw them bring back Dorrance Armstrong. He gets a two-year, $13 million deal. So $6.5 million a year for a dude who, in his four seasons – so far in Dallas has a combined seven and a half sacks, but five of those came last year. And he's one of those guys to me that shows flashes without ever showing consistency, which I guess is why you're getting a dude on the edge for $6 million. Well, I would take it and I would say the reverse. I mean, not the reverse. I would add to that and go, he's a fourth round pick. So, you know, you have to say, okay, for the most part, He's, he's played to his pedigree, if not. The thing I like about Doris Armstrong is it's clear that he's gotten better every year. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly gotten better every year. And last year he was a good player, and the one time they asked him to start, or the two times they asked him to start because Randy Gregory was out, he actually played well. And I think that's um, 
you know, that helped them, um, you know, no, nah, they wanted Randy Gregory back, but ease the pain a little bit as well. Hell, at least we know Darns can do a little something for us. And I thought he played pretty well last year. So it was yeah. a good signing at a good price. And so that's what you want, uh, especially because he got some upside and he's still got a, a lot to prove, which means he's still going to be trying to make plays and make money. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who he came into the league young. He's he's only 24 years old. He'll turn 25 before the season. So as he continues to improve, you may get the next two, three years out of him where he's at his best. If he just does what he did last year for the next two years, you happy. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. The other signing, the other safety, Malik Hooker. They got Malik Hooker back on a two-year, $8 million deal. I'm excited about this because Hooker was always one of those guys that I thought would be better in the NFL. Part of that's due to injury. He had a solid year last year, but keep in mind, he didn't get with this team until late in camp, and he was coming off that season-ending Achilles injury. He'll now be a full year removed from that. And from what he showed last year, I thought that was a great signing. No, you know, I wrote a piece in the morning news this week about, wow, oh, my God, the Cowboys actually spent some money on safeties. And it's J. Ryan Kirsch at two years and $11 million. And it's uh, Malik Hooker at two years and seven or eight million. And I think the thing about it is it sets their safeties up uh, along with Donovan Wilson. But, you know, Hooker was getting better later in the year, which is what you would expect. The further he gets away from the Achilles injury, the more you expect to get the player that was a former first-round pick by the Colts. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's fantastic. Um, I think he's still in a position where he's trying to make money and prove some things, which is what you want, man. You want guys always in a position where they got something to prove so that you get the best that they have to offer, whatever that is. Yeah, another guy who's relatively young in his mid-20s. And again, another guy who, unfortunately, for two of his four seasons before last year with the Colts, had season-ending injuries and, and struggled with that. So he kind of bounced back last year with the Cowboys, and I, I was glad they were able to get him back. They re-signed Carlos Watkins one year for just a little over a million dollars. Cool. He kind of balled out at the end of the year. I, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, he's a rotational guy in the middle. Uh, you've got Leighton Vander Esch was the interesting one for me because I thought that Leighton Vander Esch might be one of those guys that some team spends dumb money on. They didn't. The Cowboys got him from one year, $3 million. If they had picked up his fifth-year option originally, it would have been, what, $1 million, $9 million? Yeah, nine. So, yeah. So, they got him a third of, of that. No, I mean, they um, they did good with that one. In terms of they played the market right. And now I did talk to somebody with the Cowboys uh, last week and who said Leighton played really, really, really well the last nine games of the season. And they said, uh, now check him out. Now, the last nine games of the season, he was he was something to be dealt with. And so we're hoping we can get that guy again. And so it'll be interesting to see if he can stay healthy, if he can pr produce that. Yeah, I mean, a one-year deal, I'm sure he'd like to get paid, paid at some point. Maybe he balls out for a year. That'd be fantastic. Noah Brown, they're bringing him back. Another one-year, $1 million contract as – you got to think, at least right now, before the draft, all we can think is that it's between him and James Robinson, or excuse me, James Washington, to try to kind of emerge as that wide receiver three type role. And it, but I don't know. He plays special teams. He does it well. He does really well in special teams. So for a, a guy like that for one year, $1 million, I think that that's a, a no-brainer as well. 
No, I think so. It made sense to me that uh, Noah Brown's a core special teams guy. He knows a lot of positions. He's the kind of guy that you want uh, hanging around just because he can do everything. And then finally, Luke Gifford, they're bringing him back for a year. Maybe this will be the year that what he does in training camp and in, in the preseason will actually play out onto the field. And Jeremy Sprinkle, all right, the tight end. And, and that's it. Other than the franchise tag of Dalton Schultz, that's all the Cowboys have done so far in free agency. That's it. There you have it. But that's, what, that's how they rock. That's how they yep. roll. You know, they're, they're not getting any. You know, I, some guy was telling me yesterday how they need to get Bobby Wagner. And I was like, dude, you don't ever need a 32-year-old inside right. linebacker. You can want one, and if you get him at your price, you can certainly sign. No, they got to have this guy. He's a difference, but he's this, he's that. And I go, man, if I can get Bobby Wagner at my number, well, yeah, I'm all over that. But Bobby Wagner, who had a really, really good season last year, he wants a number of, uh, you know, one of uh, the elite inside linebackers in the league. And maybe I do that for one year, but I'm just not trying to do that for a long-term deal for a guy who's 32. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I don't know that Bobby Wagner is going to have to come to the Cowboys in a sense. I feel like somebody's going to pay him. But then again, nobody has yet. So maybe it'll get to a point where it does make sense and they're able to get him on. You know, that's one of those deals to me. If you got him on what was considered a steal of a deal, then cool. I would think that somebody like that is going to get a little bit more money. But it's interesting because that's what's out there. I mean, Tyron Matthew, I think, was a pipe dream that a lot of people were hoping to have. But I was surprised they paid a safety $4 million a year <laughs> in Malik Hooker anyway. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to pay Tyron Matthew-type money. But you look around the NFL, man, and, well, before we, we do that, before we get into our NFL conversation, transitioning from the Cowboys, we'll tell you, I mean, this doesn't happen without our sponsors. We tell you guys that all the time. I mean, the fact that they're, that they're helping us and contributing to the podcast, that you guys are going out there and supporting them is part of the reason why we get to keep doing this. One of those that you guys need to support is Muddy Waters Crawfish. It is crawfish season. They are booking now for private catering, for company events, birthday parties, anniversaries, golf tournaments, family reunions, all these things you do in spring and summer, you can get on their calendar now with Muddy Waters Crawfish. They use that classic Louisiana boil and soak method. They have a customized trailer that can boil up to 600 pounds at one time. And it's not just crawfish, by the way. They also offer jambalaya and pastalaya. They're legit, man. If you're a crawfish fan and you've got a party, you need to look into them. Dude, it is. You know, I got to be honest. I'm not really a crawfish guy. But, dude, Justin's crawfish, that's the owner. Man, I had it last, last uh, spring this time a year ago and it was fantastic flavorful delicious i mean i was like oh my god i can't believe i'm eating this because normally i'm not a crawfish guy but his was delicious man and he told me why it's because it's soaked gets full of flavor before it's done and it is uh, it's unreal it is so check them out they're online it's easy to book it's very easy to book and find out more information muddywaterscrawfish.com you can check them out on instagram at muddywaterscrawfish underscore tx but i'm telling you if you've got an event coming up this summer and you've got some people coming over book them now and they'll come out to you and do that crawfish muddywaterscrawfish.com oh yeah also, of course, you can say hell yeah about Freeway Tire Shop because nobody, I don't know if there's anybody in Texas that can talk about Freeway Tire Shop better than you can. 
I mean, that's true. That's because, that's because JR is my guy. I'm all about mechanics you can trust, man, because I don't know how to do much on a car other than change the oil. Uh, but with JR, man, that's not an issue because you can trust him. And for me, that's always the critical part. Can you trust him to diagnose the issue? Yes. Can you trust him to use quality parts to fix your car? Because that's a big deal. The answer is yes. How about this, man? Can you trust him to give you a fair freaking price? Yes. 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 A thousand times yes. And then finally, can you trust him to guarantee his work? Because everybody don't do that. Guarantees his work. He's phenomenal, man. All you got to do is give him a call and say, hey, I want to jam. I need, I'm a jam session listener. Get 10% off up to $500. Uh, $500 uh, expenditure. And so, dude, all of that means go see JR. He's the man. That's yeah, a deal right there, man. And and you can trust what he's doing for you, as Jock has with all of his gazillion cars. So go check him out. Freeway Tire Shop just north of downtown Dallas, right there off 35. You can schedule your appointment. You can request a quote online at freewaytireshop.com. The NFL has gone bonkers. I, this... You've been covering the Cowboys in the NFL since I was in high school. But am I, I'm just saying, you've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> this, to me, feels like the wildest offseason the NFL's ever seen. Um, okay, you know, I try really hard not to be a prisoner at the moment because too many of us are. But I think you're right in this case, and here's why. The NFL for years and years and, okay, maybe for decades, that's a better way to say it, was a no-trade league. It was all about draft picks and, you know, getting your, and a little bit of free agency, whatever. Now teams have decided we can trade for players. Now for a while the salary cap was we don't want to trade because it blasts our cap and we don't have a bunch of dead money. Now teams are like we don't care. We want players. We want to win. We're doing what we can. And so, because trades are now a big part of the league, when you throw in trades and free agency, dude, the league has gone crazy. I mean, it's like it feels like the NBA, where yeah. good players are mm -hmm. moving around and everything. I mean, we're talking about some big-time future Hall of Fame players. I mean, it used to be if you had a franchise quarterback, that dude stayed with you until he got old or retired. And now, I mean, we're seeing guys in the prime of their careers getting traded. We're seeing elite-level players get traded. I mean, we just saw a top-five quarterback in Deshaun Watson get traded. We saw a top-five, maybe top-three wide receiver in Tyreek Hill get traded. And you're seeing guys... You know, I read something the other day that said we are finally seeing the results of multiple GMs in the NFL growing up in the Madden era. <laughs> and there's some truth That's to one, that. To where that's one way to put it. Well, they're not afraid of the moment. Like, they don't have some, oh, I've got oh, to covet these draft picks... Because that was the, the status quo for years was you can't give up draft capital, and now we're seeing teams left and right. I mean, obviously the Rams most prominently. But think about this. Before we even get into Tyreek Hill, we just look at the quarterbacks. There are eight teams, that is one-fourth of the NFL, that will have a new starting quarterback in the fall with a couple of other teams on the way. You got Washington, who's going to roll with Carson Wentz after they traded for him. Really, the only division I think that's untouched by this is the NFC North, who pretty much is going to have, unless Detroit, and there's a lot of thought that Detroit with that 30-second pick in the first round may take a quarterback. You know, maybe they sit him for a year behind Jared Goff. But you've got Carson Wentz in Washington. 
You've got New Orleans who re-signed Jameis Winston, but there's a lot of belief that they are going to take a quarterback at 18 in the draft. And if you're taking a quarterback at 18, that dude's going to be starting pretty quick. Atlanta just traded Matt Ryan, so they will have a new starting quarterback. You look at San Francisco, who I know technically Lance was there, but it was Garoppolo who was their main guy last year, and they've already let it be known that they're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Seattle's going to have a new starting quarterback. Who else do we have here? We've got Pittsburgh's going to have one. Cleveland now has Deshaun Watson. He's new for them. Indianapolis traded for Matt Ryan. He'll be new for them. Houston, I guess Davis Mills was there last year. And then Denver with Russell Wilson. I mean, some right. of these names that are moving around, it's unbelievable. Dude, I mean, it's uh, it's incredible. And then it's like, uh, you know, you look at that and you see, you know, you're trying to figure out who won and who made moves that will really help them elevate. And to me, it's pretty obvious that it's Cleveland with Deshaun Watson, if he can play, or depending on how much he gets to play. Uh, Russell Wilson in Denver, uh, Matt Ryan in Indy. And, you know, it's, I think it'll be interesting to see what Trey Lance does because we don't know. Uh, he got a glimpse last year, but he certainly proved to be athletic. Uh, looked like he can do some things, but it's a whole difference between being the guy and just getting a few snaps. Yeah, Russell, I mean, again, all these te- like Russell Wilson, Denver wasn't trash last year. They were 7-10. and 10. They, they were not that far away, maybe a quarterback away. You know, that's the thing is like how many – how much worth does Matt Ryan or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson have? You know, because you can make the case, let's say, if they're worth two or three wins apiece, like Indianapolis is a great example. They went 9-8 and eight last year with Carson Wentz. If Matt Ryan yeah. get, makes them two wins better, all of a sudden they're an 11-6 and six playoff team. Oh, no doubt. And I, I think that they believe, you know, that Matt Ryan is a guy who can do that. Uh, you know, he played on a bad team last year, and he still had 20 TDs. 12 picks the year before 26 TDs 11 picks um, he's always been a guy who's thrown some interceptions I mean he's he's only had I think three years yeah. where he hasn't had double digits but we also know that he's still a really good quarterback uh, he's not great anymore but he's still really good and when you put him with the with the Colts well guess what he doesn't have to do everything now um, you know I think that helps and how about this man I don't know if anybody paid any attention Matt Ryan 222 games, 222 starts. Yeah, he never gets I, hurt. No, nah, I think he's missed three games his entire career. Uh, two in 2009 and one, or a couple in uh, one in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and he's going to a team that has a very good offensive line, yep. has one of the best running backs in the NFL who ran for over 1,800 yards last year in Jonathan Taylor. The receivers, you can make a case, they're not quite on the same level, but Michael Pittman Jr. really broke out for them last year. And look, I mean, honestly, Matt Ryan's one of those quarterbacks that can make receivers better. I I, I thought that in in that division, because Houston's not going to, I mean, Houston's going through a massive rebuild. And Jacksonville, even though they spent a ton of money in free agency, you got to think that they're still probably a year away with that development of Trevor Lawrence. That's That's a weaker division. You know, and then you look at Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Cleveland's a team that went eight and nine last year. If Deshaun Watson can make them three wins better, they're a playoff team. He's got Amari Cooper there with them now. They've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. He's got all sorts of weapons and, and stuff to do. That feels like one of those things that he could walk in and immediately make them a contender. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, Doug. The question is, uh, you know, will he get suspended? 
uh, for bringing shame to the shield or detrimental to the right. league. Uh, and if so, is it going to be five or six games, and how does that impact the season for them? And then, you know, secondly, he's supposed to uh, – some other cases are going to the grand jury, I think, tomorrow yeah. in another county in Houston. And how that all works up, because you, I think he had 11 cases dismissed or didn't go to the grand jury earlier this week, and so this is another batch. And how that turns out uh, will play a role in, uh, in his future this year. And then the other big trade, obviously, that happened this week was the Tyreek Hill trade going from Kansas City to Miami. And all of a sudden, I mean, we're, we are, this is the make or break year for Tua. Part of it is it's his third year. We've seen these young quarterbacks. If a team believes in you, you get the contract extension after the third year. Regardless of that, they have to decide whether or not to pick up his fifth-year option. They just gave him a weapon. They now have a dude who runs a 4-2-4 in Tyreek Hill. They have another dude on the other side who supposedly has run a sub 4-3, but his official combine time was like a 4-3-something in Jalen Waddell out of Alabama. They have Devontae Parker. They got Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys. They have Mike Gusecki, who's been a really solid tight end for Tua here in the first couple of years. And oh, by the way, I don't think people realize they went out in free agency and got 49ers running back Raheem Mostert. He runs a 4-3-4. They've got speed galore on that team all of a sudden. Speed to burn with a, uh, with a coach committed to a running game, which means the play action is going to bust some people's ass this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the question is whether Tua can do it. Uh, I will say this, and this is what I'm fascinated about to me. I am um, I'm a big believer in that everybody's not replaceable. And what I mean is I thought Tyreek Hill was a special player. I thought that uh, Pat Mahomes was a special player. And then when you put them together, they make magic that you just can't make when they're not together. And so to me, will Tyreek Hill be Tyreek Hill without Pat Mahomes throwing the ball. And if the same is true, will Pat Mahomes be Pat Mahomes yeah. when teams don't have to play a certain way because they fear Tyreek Hill, you know, and all of that. And so I don't know, man. I don't I can't wait to see whether you can get your forty million or your thirty million dollars worth out of Tyreek Hill playing with the Dolphins. Yeah, we'll find out. Tua for whatever reason I feel like has gotten a bad rap. I mean, you look at his first two years in the league, and part of that's because he's been banged up. I mean, he hadn't played an entire season yet. But in his 21 starts over two years, we're still talking about a guy who's completed 66% of his passes with 27 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. But this is the make or break. I mean, the weapons are there, man. You've got all the toys you could possibly want. They also, oh, by the way, went out and signed Chase Edmonds from the Cardinals. I mean, they've got some things for him to use now, and and – We'll see if he truly is that first-round quarterback and if he's the guy that everybody believes he can be. But maybe Tyree Kill makes life a lot more easier for him in Miami. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Life is definitely easier. It's just how much easier will it end up being and will it translate into wins uh, that put them, allow them to make a deep playoff run? Yeah, because that's the thing with Miami. I mean, again, we're, we're still talking about a team last year. They were 9-8. and eight. They had a winning season. They finished two games behind Buffalo in the AFC East. One game back of New England, very curious to see. That is all of a sudden feels like a stacked division with the Jets still being straight trash. (laughs) Yeah. As we continue, we got to take this trip around the block. Before we get into that, as always, we love our sponsors, man, and it doesn't get much better than Blue Star Motor Group. If you have not 
given Deb a call. If you have not sent her a text and you are looking for a vehicle, then you're allowing yourself to go elsewhere and get ripped off because Blue Star Motor Group is going to make you the deal. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just the truth, man. I mean, I tell people all the time, at least involve them in the process. Start with them, let them know what you're looking for and see what they can do for you. Because if you're looking for a deal, they're going to give one to you. They have less overhead. It's it's a local family-owned place. They want to they want to win. They want you to win, though. And to me, when you're looking to buy a car, that's really all you can ask for. Hell yeah, that's all you can ask for, man. Uh, the thing I love about Blue Star Motor Group, they got a price. They got a car for every price, man. You want a car for your kid. They got one for you. You want one because uh, you need a family car. They got that. You wanted a midlife crisis car. They got that. You're a big baller, and you want to spend six digits on a car. They got that. Whatever you want, they can get for you. Whatever you need, they can get for you. No better place to car call than Blue Star Motor Group and uh, put help them put you, yourself in a car. It's easy, man. I mean, again, you can text her if you're more comfortable doing that. 817-881-4066. 817 817- 881-4066, online at bluestarmotorgroup.com. We get into the block, and man, there's a lot to talk about here. First off, so we're recording this on March 24th. March 24th, many of you will listen to this on Friday the 25th, or maybe in the days to come. But before we get into the various cool things that have happened on this day, we have to say goodbye. Many of you joined us out there. We did a live podcast at Legal Draft Brewing Company in Arlington, and they announced last week that after six years, they are closed. They are done. They are out of business at Legal Draft. Disappointing, man. Disappointing. I know, uh, you know Greg's disappointed. That's the owner. Uh, but I thought it was a great spot, man. And uh, it's just, like I said, man, it's just disappointing when – when it gets to a point where, you know, between pandemic and some other stuff, you can't make your business go and you got to bow out. Yeah, it's unfortunate anytime local breweries close. And that was a really, really cool tap room. And it's interesting. I don't know exactly what's happened. I texted a couple people to see if I could find out more. And I'm sure I'll maybe on our next podcast, I'll have more information. But, you know, their market presence has really fallen off to a point where they had about 70 tap handles left in the entire DFW area, which is nothingness. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, having beer on tap at a variety of different restaurants when you're trying to have a presence, only having 70 with the amount of restaurants and bars that are in DFW, that's just, that's nothing. It really isn't. And so to keep that going with that size of a facility, you know, in the article in the Dallas Morning News, it said that apparently they hadn't paid their lease on that building in a couple of months. And obviously it got to a point where they couldn't do it anymore. And whoever owns that property just shut them down and said, well, you're not doing it in this building. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the nature of the beast, man. It's uh, it's why business is hard. Um, and everybody's business is hard because everybody's business got different challenges. Uh, but because we had done some shows over there, because we got to know Greg, because it was a cool spot, you know, it just feels different than if it were a tap room that I, you know, hadn't heard about or didn't know or hadn't tried any of their beer or any of that. Yeah, and again, anytime a local brewery closes, it's an, it just sucks. And there's still one over there in Arlington. Division Brewing is over there in Arlington, not too far away from where Legal Draft was. And so, you know, they're a smaller operation, but their beer, beer is killer. So if you're still in the Arlington area, you still got a local one to support, so support it. Because if you don't, you see the results. So elsewhere, so today for us, it's actually National Cocktail Day today. 
March 24th. Is it now? It is. Do you have a go-to cocktail of choice? Now, our guest at, at, uh, later on today, Clarence Hill Jr., he has a cocktail of choice. It's crowned with a splash of seven. Uh, and so because I was not a big drinker, I, uh, I order that a lot if I'm out. But if I had to say the Jacques Taylor cocktail of choice, it would probably be, uh, let's do it like this, bro. If I'm out and about 75% of the time, I'll order a vodka and cranberry with a lime. And usually I like a couple limes in it. Yeah. Uh, that's probably 75% of the time. Ten uh, to uh, 10% of the time, I probably order Jack and Coke. Uh, I really like it, but I don't like it all the time. And the other 10%, I may order a... Uh, Okay, I do have my, my my girly drink, which is Sex on the Beach, which I'm not really supposed to drink. But uh, occasionally I'll have that, uh, maybe 5% of the time, another 5 or 10, however, however that equals up to 100. I usually try Apple Crown or Crown Apple. All right. Uh, Crown Peach is also well. Although I like to drink each of those straight, just a little bit of ice. See, that makes sense because Sex on the Beach is vodka with peach schnapps and, and orange juice and cranberry juice. And yeah. so you, you kind of mentioned you like that crown peach that has the peach schnapps in it. And then, of course, you you like the drink. Vodka and cranberry is known as a Cape Cod. Is it? Yes. Now, see, why do I drink that? It's because vodka doesn't have any calories or carbs in yep. it. And you can drink it and not feel bad about, you know, because alcohol has got so many calories in it. You can mm-hmm. you can you can pile up some calories. and You're like, I didn't eat anything today. Well, no, you had three drinks, though. And that just killed you. So I like it because the cranberry is just a little bit in it. And so the vodka is cool. And it's a way to drink without, um, you know, adding a lot of calories to you. Yeah, I like cranberry juice. And so, I, you know, I'll, I don't mind a vodka cranberry. But if I'm going to have a, a drink of uh, like a cocktail of choice, it's hands down the old fashioned. I mean, I, that's that thing too strong for your boy, man. I mean, that, that's generally if I'm going to have a mixed liquor drink of any type, it is an old fashioned. All right, what's in that thing? Because, like I said, that thing is strong. Uh, you I make a, one, a good old-fashioned. slamming the table one time. <laughs> when, when I was making them at home, I would do where I muddled cane sugar at the bottom of the glass. No, and you're being fancy already, right? Well, that's top. what you, you either do it right or you don't. And I can tell immediately when I go to a place and I see how they make an old-fashioned, whether it's going to be any good or not. You know, you got it. It's a crafted cocktail for a reason and, and a really good old fashioned. It should have muddling in it. Some people will muddle a cherry in it, but I, I don't. I don't. I Cherry is a Manhattan, but I, I'm not going to argue with people. It's whatever, you know. <laughs> and so what you do is you muddle that cane sugar at the bottom of the glass with a couple of dashes of bitters. You then some people will add like a splash of water with it. And then you can add your whiskey, your bourbon of choice. I do bullet rye whiskey is usually what I go with at home. And then you can, if you'd like, the proper thing to do is to get an an orange twist, which to do that, you peel off like the skin of the orange. And when I was doing it at home, I would take a lighter and gently brush the the orange peel on the, over the flame to loosen up the oils in the citrus oils from the orange peel. My God, you're fancy. Rub that around the glass and then put it in the glass and sip it. And 
You know, that is a damn solid old fashioned right there. I've had smoked old fashions too, where they'll put the glass in like a box of cedar, you know, and then it's, it, it, they'll smoke it and it, and it gives it like a smoky cedar taste as well, which is really good as well. But if, if they're not doing that, like if I order an old fashioned and there's no muddling, then I know it's not going to be any good. Uh, dude, now, you know what I got into for about a year? Was uh and I I just haven't had any lately because again I'm not a big drinker. Is uh man they came out with a whole bunch of different coffee whiskeys and coffee oh, yeah. Yeah. rums and stuff and I was like oh my god this is fantastic. Uh, I think Jameson had one it was kind of whiskey and coffee mm-hmm. and it was just like oh god this is fantastic. Well we had uh, where was it when we got to California when Alan was with us and oh it was called Screwball you guys sipped on that peanut butter whiskey remember that dude i got one of those um at the house and it's uh dude it is it's great <laughs> yeah that's a trip man because it legit you get peanut butter out of it and it's that's a unique kind of deal dude my brother was like cuz my brother actually turned me onto it that's why i was drinking it then but he was like Dude, you got to give, uh, you got to, you got to have this and put this on top of some ice cream, and it is, uh, it's next level. Yeah, man. You know what's interesting that I had never really been around until the lady friend enjoys these, and her dad will drink them, and it's called a Pim's cup. What is it? It's a, it's a cocktail. A Pim's cup is a a blend of. I'm trying to remember what's in it. It's lemon ginger. It's got like fruit with it. I'm trying to remember what else is in it. Like a variety of just different things that go into it. It, it. It's it's a refreshing light drink. I mean, it's good, man. All right. It's Pims. Pims number one. That's what is in it. Let, let's see what Pims is. Yeah, I was going to say Pims number one. Yeah, that's the type of... It is... God, what is Pims number one? I don't even know. <laughs> Pims number one. That's why they call it a Pims cup. That's the type... It is an English brand of gin-based fruit. But it is also considered a liqueur. So I guess it's a gin-based liqueur. Mm, okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, that's something I'd never had that ever. And, and all of a sudden, there it is. Yeah, based on gin. Hmm. Dude. All right. Now, I don't really like gin. My dad does. It's too dry for me. My sister does, too. I'm gotcha. like, yeah. You guys are real drinkers. I'm not. A, I'm not a real drinker. Yeah, I'll do. I mean, I don't mind like a a, a gin and tonic. I don't mind like no. a vodka soda water. Like sometimes, like you're talking about, if you just want to, you know, you're going to drink a little alcohol, but you're looking for something light and easy, man. Vodka soda, you can knock that out. Well, see, I like the and I like those vodkas because they remind me. Don't laugh. A little bit of sparkling water. No, because, it's true. Yeah, because you can get some that are flavored that have just a hint of flavor in them. And so you're good. Then I really don't need anything. So it's the ultimate cocktail because it literally has nothing in it. Uh, and so I like a lot of vodkas, flavored vodkas with matching flavors of sparkling water, which is why I said, I think I told you that, man. That's yeah. a rock watermelon with, yeah, with uh, Waterloo's watermelon sure. sparkling water. That thing is like, oh, my God. That is, that thing is, yeah, that thing is solid. Yeah, man. I mean, that's like I have done from time to time. You know, you get a vodka with some soda water and, and you squeeze a few lime slices in it. And you basically, like you're talking about, you've created your own sparkling water with lime. Yep. Except it's got yeah. alcohol in it, which is good. The other yeah. thing, and, and there's two things here. March 24th is a big day because 
I'm sure everybody's seen The Breakfast Club, right? The movie? Uh, yeah. The Breakfast Club, remember the whole premise is it's a group of kids, five different kids that represent like five different cliques of high school that are stuck in their school on a Saturday for Saturday school in the middle of their spring. Well, right. the date in the movie that they go to detention is March 24th, 1984. Huh, how about that? So today, 38 years ago, those five kids were sitting in Saturday school. That's a great, that's one of the, to me, like one of the like most epic high school movies of all time. You know what? Um, I thought it was okay, but I just saw it the once. It wasn't like 16 candles or something that I saw a bunch of times or Porky's because it had a. It had nudity. Yeah. I mean, that was high on the list. But outside of that, there, there haven't, I didn't see it uh, all that many times. I think I just saw it the once. Yeah, I, I've seen it. I mean, over the years, I've seen it so many times. But, you know, it, that that whole movie where it has, it's the athlete, the princess, the criminal, the brain, and the crazy person. I, I forget what they call her in the movie. But it's those five, and they're all thrown together. And it's so wild because it's people that would never talk to each other, never be friends, any of that. But when they're right. thrown together, and you know how it is. Like in high school, a seven-hour day in high school feels like it's your entire year. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, and now, like, you'll you'll be seven, eight hours of a day. Like, man, that went by fast. <laughs> Dude, uh, that reminds me, man. Did you ever have Saturday school, or were you kind of a goody-goody guy? I never had Saturday school, but I got, I mean, I was constantly, I had detentions constantly. And, and our detentions, when we had detention, we did not get to eat lunch with our friends. You had to go to what was known as, like, a quiet room and eat lunch in quiet. Dude, I had to, I had in school detention one time in the eighth grade, and it was it was such a it was the worst day of my life, and I'll never forget it. And what happened was I show I'd been I got detention because I I had I had this is this is like something off the WWE. I had this rivalry with this guy named Mark Washington. I think that was his last name. Um that started in the sixth grade because we went to different schools and, and went in the, in the middle school. And of course it was over a girl, the great Gwen Westbrook, uh, who's married to our now constable Ed Wright. In nice. Memphis. All right. So how about that? <laughs> so anyway, me and Mark got into a fight on a, on a, on a basketball play top, asphalt basketball court. And the funny thing about the fight is I kicked his ass. Yes. This is not revisionist history. I did. But in doing so, he knocked my glasses off my face. And it was one of those scenes, man, where the glasses fell to the ground. I looked at him. He looked at him. And then it was a race to the glasses. And he beat me, put his foot on him, and, and just, you know, sc scraped his foot so that the lenses were all scraped. So now I'm like, my mom is going to kick my ass when I get home. <laughs> So, I'm going to kick your ass while we out here as much as I could. So, that's why I got sent to detention. So, I show up whenever detention in middle school was like the next day. And so, I show up, man, and the guy who runs detention, this is, not a, this is, this is a true story, man, is a guy, I never knew this guy's name. He was just referred to as Chop Chop. That was literally his name. He was about 5'10". Barrel-chested, 
built like Mr. Universe with these huge arms and forearms and his long, greasy jerry curl and his big white teeth. <laughs> and his name was Chop Chop and he was in charge. And so I walked in there kind of smug and uh, he says, and there's like 20 kids in there. And he says, when the bell rings, you, he pointed at me and some other guy. We were the new kids for that day. He says, uh, you guys assume the push-up position for the entirety of first period when the bell rings. Well, I really didn't think it was a big deal, but just think about trying to keep the push-up position for 45 minutes. Yeah. That's impossible. Yeah, it's a lot, man. So I did it for like most normal kids, like a minute and a half, and I was like, oh, my God, this is terrible. And he goes, every time you your stomach hits the ground – that's a lick with me and my board at the end of the first period. <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, now, needless, needless to say, that was a threat that he never carried out. Because he's like, okay, you got 20 licks. You can get rid of them by behaving during the day, and we'll see what it is at the end of the day, and then that's what you'll get. Yeah. But, dude, so that's how the day started. You couldn't talk. You couldn't do anything. Then at lunchtime, like you were talking about, you went to a different lunch period. But, so you went to lunch, okay? And it was whack because none of your friends are there. After lunch, he goes, now we go out to the track. And we, we're going to run laps. So you've got to run like three or four laps. And then, Matt, he goes, now that we've run these laps, we're running laps until you win a race. Dude, there's like 20, 20 kids out here. God, this sounds like child abuse. It is. I mean, my it was. God. So I take a look at the competition and just go, I'm not going to win a race until, you know, there's like five people left. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to jog, walk as slow as I can possibly go, conserve my energy. And then finally, dude, it was about my time to go win a race. And I'm neck and neck with this guy. And I'm like, I cannot lose. I cannot lose. And this guy is on my shoulder. So you know what I did, bro? I hit him with the elbow, man. Hit him nice. with the elbow. Right in the chest. And chugged it on in, exhausted, and uh, went back in the classroom. Day kind of finished out without a lot of uh, thing. But, dude, I got on the bus. I got home. I literally walked in the door, called my mom at work, and said, I am not going to in-house suspension tomorrow. I don't care what you do. I'm not going. And you got to understand, this is coming from somebody who never talked back to his mom, was never, never any of that. And uh, all she really said was, okay. <laughs> That's good then. Because it must have been from my tone that she knew it was a wild and crazy day. And so the next day I was up at 7 o'clock raking leaves in the backyard, which you might not think was a big deal. Except, understand, we had, I think, 21 pecan trees. In the backyard, and they were all shedding leaves. So it was a, uh, you know, it was not a fun day, but it was not in high suspension, and I never went again. Amazing, yeah. I, I, I had in school suspension once, very briefly, because in seventh grade we were supposed to write a haiku, and I wrote a haiku about a guy having sex with a dog. Dude. As a seventh grader, yeah. And that was a whole thing. Like this the guy sitting next to me called the teacher, and I tried to put it in my mouth and chew it up, and she pulled it out of my mouth, and it was just I had to go to the principal's office, and then they sent me to in school suspension. And I had to tell, you know, my mom comes to pick me up. I'm like, ah, sorry, guess what I did today? 
you know, just to get out ahead of it. And then I had detention like the rest of the week and all that. I used to get detentions all the time because I talked too much. I mean, I talked constantly in class. But we had it to where we could trade out our detentions for paddlings. Like you could get yeah. two paddlings and have one detention erased. So I used to go in at the end and I'd be like, hey, next week I've got three detentions. Can I just get six paddlings instead? <laughs> Dude, six. <laughs> now that sounds like six hurts. You know, one or two wow. is, is you can deal with it, but six. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. After the second one, they all kind of feel the same. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. We I don't know. It depends Woo. on, I mean, when Chop Chop delivered those paddlings, that was not the same. It was like everybody else, bro. Man, there, there were, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, you'd be sore for a bit, but it was worth it because you got to spend lunch with your friends, even if you couldn't sit right. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to throw out for you is that today, March 24th, is the anniversary in 2005 when the American television show The Office made its debut considered Rolling Stone, for instance, a few years ago, named it as one of the 100 greatest shows of all time. I mean, it it just reeled in the awards. It won the Peabody Award. It won Screen Actors Guild Awards. They won four Primetime Emmy Awards. Steve Carell won a Golden Globe at one point. It won Outstanding Comedy Series in 2006. It lasted nine seasons, 201 episodes. And, you know, the thing about The Office that people forget Steve Carell, when that came out, he had just finished filming 40-Year-Old Virgin, and he wasn't a real star yet. Nobody right. else on that show, anybody, nobody knew who any of them were. Now, you know what's interesting about that? You say 201 episodes? Yeah. Jean-Jacques Taylor has never seen one. You've never seen a single episode of The Office. Well, you don't like nope. comedies. so I was going to say, now you know me. Why haven't I seen a single episode of The, of the, of the, uh, of the well, Office? That's why. You don't like comedies. I, it, was, it was so original when it came out. Now, granted, it was based on the premise of what R Ricky Gervais came up with, obviously, in the British world. But, you know, nobody was doing it like that. And they took it even in a, in a different direction than the one from the British series and, and really made it its own thing. And nobody was doing like the non-laugh track, single camera, you know, the way that they did that, talking to the camera, that type of thing. And they didn't know if it would work. I mean, they, again, they, they casted a bunch of people that nobody had ever known. And in some cases, had never been in anything before. Right, right, right. It's incredible. Uh, why, why did it work? Why was it so successful? No, it's just, it, it was incredibly well written. I mean, the writing on that show is wonderful. The characters were so core. You couldn't do it today. I mean, it'd be impossible because you couldn't. Steve Carell's character, Michael, you could not have him in a TV show today. They'd have can't, they wouldn't even put one episode on the air because he was so freaking offensive. I was going to say, is, is that because he said all the things that cancel yeah. culture would not accept? Oh, yeah. H hardcore. And, and you look at that and. Yo, bro, charge me up. Yeah, charge him up. <laughs> You know, eventually you're going to have like a sex bot and that's just going to be what she says. Yo, bro, charge me up. And you're like, all right, baby. No, but it's, it's just one of those shows that I think it worked. The storylines worked. It was original. And, you know, to this day, I mean, it's on TV constantly. And all like a lot of these people that are on the show are now like multi, multi-millionaires and superstars and that whole thing. But, you know, you're talking about a show that when it debuted... It somehow pulled in 
11 million viewers. By the end of the first season, it went from 11 million viewers to 4 million viewers. <laughs> and somehow they brought it back. They brought it back for a second season, and then it really kind of took off and, and became its own thing. It was never, you know, what's odd about it is it was never real. I don't even know if it was ever in the top 50. Like maybe one season was in the top 50, but it had such a claim and it's really become like a cult thing now. And, and it feels like now it, it's even more popular than it was when it was on television. Well, you know, it's probably because there's a new generation hearing from their parents how great it is. And now with YouTube and everything else, you can get a, a chance to peek at it. Yeah, it's a really interesting story. One of the guys on the show, Brian Bumgarner, had a book, and, and he started a podcast and all this, and he wrote a book based on that and all these old stories and the way it all came together and everything. I read that last year, and it's it was fascinating. It's amazing that they got that show off the ground, that it actually worked and became what it was. And a lot of that had to do with Steve Carell, who apparently is like one of the greatest people of all time, which is cool. It's nice when you see star actors that are like that 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 kind of have that clout and stand up for others well yeah i mean that's what it's all about man you know don't just take care of yourself take care of others before we move on to clarence hill jr here let's tell you about hfx foundation solutions again companies like this and aaron and, and his guys it's a local family-owned business you need to give them a call as soon as you notice cracks sticking doors if you notice that your property's not draining the way that it should be, you don't want to wait. Waiting and messing around your foundation will cost you thousands of dollars down the road. It's a free, no obligation inspection. Takes about 45 minutes. Have them come out and see, do you have a problem? If so, maybe you caught it early enough. Maybe you don't have a problem, but the it, it is by far the worst thing you can do with your home is ignore those types of signs. Dude, no way you ever want to ignore that, man. You want to address it. And the reason why you have HFX come out is so that they can find a problem. If one exists, they find it early, man. And if you find anything early, you know, it's a lot easier to fix uh, than if you find it late. So give Aaron and his people over there at HFX a call. Let them give you peace of mind. To me, that's the most important thing yeah. when you're dealing with something like this. It really is. They're A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. It's, again, the number, 817-770-0174, 817 817- 770-0174 servicing all of the DFW area. They are a full service foundation repair company. They not only specialize in slab and pier and beam foundation, they also specialize in drainage and gutter installations. I know that uh, that big area around North Texas is going through a drought, but we know it's going to rain and there's going to be a lot of rain in April. You make sure your drainage is taken care of. Give them a call or find them online at hfxfoundation.com. Here he is. Once again, you know him well, longtime Cowboys beat writer with the Fort Worth Star Telegram, Clarence E. Hill Jr. joining us here. And, you know, we were just joking about it, chill. That any breaking Cowboys news? And you're like, what are you talking about? Cowboys don't do anything. And, I mean, come on. They signed James Washington and Dante Fowler, they signed right. other free agents. You know, like I was telling Calvin the other day on Twitter, when, when, when they don't announce the money, you know, they ain't getting no money. And when they ain't getting no money, they tell you all you need to know about what they think of the player. I mean, they both got $1 million. And I think Washington got a, um, you know, his, his salary cap was like 800000 900000 They also threw in a horse. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's a farmer. He's a farmer. And and Fowler got a $1 million contract for, for my number one pick. I mean, 
you know, certainly you could say these are options and the Cowboys like to feel options so they don't have to force the need in free agency. But to say that these guys would come in and they're signing these guys to replace Randy Gregory or replace Amari Cooper or replace Seth Wilson, the contract don't suggest that. No, no, it doesn't. Which one of those you know, guys excited you the most? <laughs> no, I think it was uh, Carlos Watkins. I think that's the one. Or maybe it was um, uh, Sprinkle. Jeremy Sprinkle. Again, another Jeremy. signing to, to cover yourself so you don't have to force an agent draft. But we know that you know, you're know you most likely going to draft a tight end. You're, you're definitely probably going to draft a receiver. You know, and, and you and edge rush. The thing about it is, is if you look at the Cowboys' needs in the draft, that we already talked about, uh, we already understand that they need to improve the offensive line, and so in you know, so interior lineman, a guard, center, a tackle is on the table. Uh, now, a pass rusher is, is definitely a priority at some point. If, if you get a good pass rusher, you can't pass that guy up. We know a top receiver, but they're going to take a receiver somewhere in the first three rounds of the draft. A linebacker. They need help there. You know, they could take one there. So, you know, it, it, they, they have several needs they need to fill. But, you know, the funny thing about it is, that to me, it just goes back to the team's philosophy. To me, it's, it's hypocritical to who the team is. And the team's philosophy is to not spend money on free to be budget conscious and to be conservative and, you know, sign it on, but let's not be out there and sign any big ticket items. And to me, it just kind of goes against the image of the richest franchise in sports. You're the richest yeah. franchise in sports. You got the richest stadium in sports. You got the the star, which is, you know, actually costs more than to, to build a star than it did AT&T Stadium. So we're all about bells and whistles. We're all about glamour. We're all about, you know, I got Louis Vuitton Stadium, but you're shopping at TJ Maxx where you play it. I don't, that, that, to me, that's inconsistent. I understand Wanting to be budget conscious, but that's inconsistent with a team when everything else you do is excess. Everything else you do is gaudy. Everything else you do is, I got to have the best and the brightest. But when it comes to your roster, you don't want to do that. Why do you think that is? I just think they're trying to be too smart. I mean, I, you know, listen, I, you know, Brandon Carr, poor Brandon Carr. You know, we've been kicking Brandon Carr's butt for so long. For so long, well, they're not. They haven't spent big money since Brandon Carr. Like it's Brandon Carr's fault that they spent big money. You, you knew it, when Brandon Carr was in Kansas City, he was not Deion Sanders. Okay, he was not the best corner in the league when he he was in Kansas City. He was just the best corner on the market. Just because you gave him best corner in the league money, even though he's just the best corner on the market, to, to come in and expect that he was going to be this. Oh, he wasn't all pro in Kansas City, but yet weird. <laughs> the Cowboys are fearful or. You know, they, they, they've learned their lesson. They've been burned by spending big money on the free agency because of what they did with Brandon Carr. They really haven't done that since. Yeah, that's true. It, and, you know, I, I think it's interesting when they make the type of offer that they made to Randy Gregory and, and they, they were willing to pay him that much money. And now, granted, he's their own free agent. Cool. But they obviously had that money they were willing to spend, and then they, they weren't able to identify anybody else that they might want to pursue to spend that type of money on. Listen, I would have gave that Randy Gregor money to the Dar- uh, Darius Smith. Yes, exactly. Great point. That's exactly the type of thing I'm talking about. Now, I don't know if I would have gave it to Bobby Wagner, but I gave it to Darius, uh, the Darius Smith because of what he does. You know, is a pass rusher. And you need help in pass rushing back. You know, if you're going to give it to Randy Gregory, I give it to the Darius Smith, whose career numbers, who's younger, whose career numbers have been better than Randy Gregory. 
That's what I, that's the, the type of thing. And I think that's where the frustration comes in is like, okay, well you say, you know, you don't spend a lot of money. You spend a ton of money on your own guys. So right. we, we know that you have the money and that you're willing to spend it somewhere. But if that doesn't work out, well, we don't want to touch this guy over here. Yeah. It's this whole notion that you don't, you know, you don't, you know, Stephen always talks about when, when, you know, the unknown problem, the guys on the outside, they're not your own. They got problems. The reason why somebody let them go. You know, well, somebody let Dion go, okay? <laughs> somebody let Richard yeah, White go. It's true. Okay? You know, somebody let Bob Miller go, and he wouldn't want a Super Bowl, okay? You know, I, I just think that, you know, there's this something we need to delve into, this whole philosophy of building through the draft and building your own. And I think it's outdated, especially in today's day and age when it seems like it's all about pushing your chips into the middle of the stadium trying to win. I mean, this whole notion of worrying about the cap three or four years from now when you haven't won in 25 years, that's, that's out the window. I think that's the part that bothers me most is quit tripping on this cap thing uh, in the future when you really are trying to win now. And I think we see it in several different examples. And, you know, you can make the money do whatever it is you want to, want to make it do um, to get guys signed. And so I don't really buy into this whole – uh, you know, was cap strapped uh, because it's all about trying to put the best roster together to win this year because yeah. you, you're trying to win as your talent ages. And this talent is just about at the, it's just about gone. And I'm talking about guys like Tyron, Zach Martin, Tank Lawrence. Those guys are just about done in terms of being in their athletic prime or still have a piece of the foot in the athletic prime. Yeah, and, and to me, I've always said, I've been saying this for years, it seemed like you, know, you would say the same thing everywhere. Well, yeah, the goal is not to balance the budget. The goal is to put the best team on the field. You know, it, 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 it's not to be, you know, it's just, you know we're, we're, we're smart financially. I mean, do they give trophies of being the smartest team financially? Do they give trophies of being economically, you know, uh, solvent and all this stuff? Do they do that in the NFL? I mean, it seems like everybody, the Rams still kicking the can down the road. They got a title. And they feel adding to Now they're going to get Bobby Wagner. At least have a chance to get Bobby Wagner. None of this makes any sense. You you look at all these teams and you say, well, they're in salary cap hell. Well, how can they do this? Mm-hmm. How can, you know, the the, the Dolphins who went and got Stephanie Wilson, who drafted Jalen Wallace, now they go give Tariq Hill this kind of money? Yeah, because you can do what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's all about what you want to do. That's, 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 that's precisely the point. What do you want to do? How do you want to attack it? You know, and, and, and you know, the Cowboys, for some reason, they just think that this thing is just going to come back to them. And I don't know, you know, it seems like the NFC has come down a little bit just because, of, you know, you look at some of the players who are left and gone to the AFC, the talent is there, but but not at the top. And, and, and you know, Tom Brady is back, so Tampa Bay is going to be a contender, and, 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 and the Rams, because they have not come down to the Cowboys. Certainly they're still better than the than other teams and the – in the uh, NFC East, but you know the Philadelphia has a lot of draft picks to work with, you know, and and they're going to get better. It's funny because everybody, well, they still got the draft. Wait till the draft. Everybody has the draft. <laughs> it's not true. just the Cowboys who have the draft to get, and they and they have better picks. Yeah, you know, you're not going to get a Michael Parsons at 24. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know the way you talk about that, it, it popped in my mind. You can look at the rest of the division right now, and, and who knows? Maybe Philadelphia uses those three picks in the first round and hits on all of them and, and remakes themselves in a year. 
But right now, you you got to feel like you're better than the other three teams in your division. And, and you may not be in, in two years or three years, but you got to feel like you are right now because you've got Dak. You just went... 12 and five you were you were the best team last year why not invest in that and see if you can you can get something here in the next year or two you know that's 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 my biggest problem going back to 2016 when the cowboys won in 2016 you know Dak's rookie year six rookie rookie year had a great year they just ran it back even though they knew zeke was you know facing these you know um Face of suspension, they did nothing to improve that team. We're just going to get better, you know, from within. Here's a chance. You're 13 and 3. You got this rookie quarterback, rookie running back. You're, you're close. You have a chance to get over the hook. But instead of adding to it, they just ran it back. And then you lose Zeke for six games. Then Dave fall, you know, falls off a cliff. I mean, you know, instead of doing everything you can to, to, to seize the opportunity, they did nothing. And, that, and, and to me, that's what these teams are doing. They're trying to seize the opportunity. They're trying to win now. And the Cowboys, what the Chargers are doing, they said, look, we saw what the Rams did, okay? And we're, we're, fighting, we're fighting for the soul of L.A. We're fighting for fans. We're going to go for it. You, you, you see what the, the Raiders are doing. You know, they're, they're going for it. You know, with the Cowboys are sitting back. Luckily, they don't play the AFC West this year. No, nah, but they got uh, they got Deshaun Watson, I, I assume, with the Browns and uh, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, no, no, it ain't it ain't gonna get easier for sure. Yeah, you got Joe Burrow and all those guys coming back to town. So and then, you know and then Leo Collins with, with with Joe Burrow and then those teams. So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. But it, but again, it just it just it, it's frustrating to watch this and and for them to be so calm about it and say just you know we got the philosophy and you know damn the philosophy. It's, 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 you know, Cowboys fans are frustrated. I've never seen a fan base so frustrated. You know, the Cowboys fans so frustrated by how this thing is run and how it's run because we've seen this. And I don't know how you sell hope for 2022. I don't know what you sell. You know, certainly you can sell Michael, and, and there's, there's legitimate reason to, to feel good about that. You can sell Dak having a full year. But, but the Cowboys fans have seen this movie before. It has not ended well. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of the frustration is – you know, you kind of alluded to it, Chill, with all the movement that you see around the, the league. And it, it, Cleveland, Jacques, when you bring up Deshaun Watson, that's a great example. You're talking about a team in Cleveland that looked at what they had and said, we've got to get better. They've got three offensive linemen on that team that make $14 million or more a year. They've got a $12 million running back. They've got a $25 million defensive end. They just traded for a $20 million wide receiver and a $46 million quarterback. Some people trying to win, though. And, and, and that's, you know, so when the Cowboys are like, well, you know, we can't do this and that, then why are the other teams doing it then? Well, they're just not fiscally responsible, Matt. Right, yeah. But Cowboys are one of the trophies for being the most fiscally responsible team, which is, to me, is just, again, it's inconsistent with who they are. It's the wild character, the man I love, the glory hole, who likes to take chances and all this other stuff. And with this team, you know, and, and I certainly see is running things now, but, but – that's just inconsistent with the, the, who the Cowboys are, who they have been to their core. They don't just sit back. Not the Cowboys under Jerry Jones. Not Trader Jerry. What are we doing here? I don't know. That's the question we're all trying to answer. What are we doing here? Are we trying to win or are we just bumping our gums? You know, that, 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 that's, that's the question. And, and, and you can say you're trying to win and, and you know, this whole this, this new conspiracy theory that they're, they're uh, you know, setting McCarthy up to fail and 
to, to, to go big for for uh, Sean Payton in 2023. That doesn't make sense because Jerry's never one to to tank. And, you know, that's one reason why they, they've never had a quarterback. You know, they've never tanked to get a number one pick. He always wants to stay competitive because he wants to, you know, be on TV and wants to have his stadium full. And I don't think now all of a sudden Jerry's going to tank 2022 to 2023. That's, just, that's not in his DNA either. Uh, I'm curious, what do you think about uh, Randy Gregory's comments on Twitter about the toxic fan base? This fan base, I, I know firsthand this fan base defended him so much while he was gone. And you say any bad thing about Randy Gregory, they would jump down your throat. You asked them to say he was used drugs. They would say, he wasn't drugs. It was marijuana. You're so old. You know, you can't cut, you know, so this toxic fan base defended him to no end when he was with the Cowboys. And certainly they're 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 disappointed and disheartened and feel betrayed because he left them over what I would call a technicality. You know, because again, and I don't know, you know, we didn't really talk about it last week, but say what you will about the forfeiture clause, whether you like it or not. All I know is that the the, the idea that the Cowboys were trying to, you know, put a banana in the tailpipe, they were trying to, you know, play dirty food with with Randy Gregory. That's not true. You don't support him all that time and then try to, you know, uh, go behind his back and do. They didn't do something at the end. They didn't try to, you know, pull the wool over his head by putting the clause in there that wasn't in there before. That's, it's in all their contracts. It wasn't a issue that was specific to Randy Gregory. And I, I know that I know how that defended them to me and, and what they did to support him all those years. And now all of a sudden you're going to say that the Cowboys were, were being unfair to Randy Gregory. I just don't buy it. How'd that become a thing at the end where he just randomly decided – after it felt like that everything was agreed to, like, oh, n- never mind, I want that out of there. Because Dak didn't have it in there. If you didn't do it for Dak, you ain't Dak. He's not. The NFL, the locker room's always been a cast system. You don't get Dak money. You don't get Dak Everybody knows that. You know, huh? it, it, it's interesting to me, too, because we, we mentioned it earlier. I mean, that contract they offered him, I was surprised that, that it was going to cost that much for Randy Gregory. Like, Well, they, that, that's, that's the thing is that they did not initially – offer as much as Denver. They came up on their offer to match Denver. You know what, Doug? I'm so sick of the Cowboys misreading the market. I mean, me and Matt sat there and figured out what Michael Gallup money was in about five minutes. We were like, <laughs> oh, it's somewhere literally between 12 and 15 million because Cortland Sutland at 15 million is kind of the top off and these other guys making 12. He fits somewhere in between there. And then you find out that, oh, he's he wants more money than they really thought. And this deal is going to take a, a couple of days longer than than figure it out. Well, I don't. I don't think it's misreading the market. It's just that it, it, listen, if, if, if you're going to come for five million, I'll give you five million. Okay, I mean, you know, it's like Demarcus Lawrence, and it's part of negotiations. I mean, people get all been out of shape, and this is business with the Cowboys. It's certainly this person with the players. You know, it's like I don't know if you remember initially Demarcus Lawrence that he was disrespected. You know, by the initial offer. Of course, today he say, I never want to go anywhere. I'm happy to be a Cowboy player. <laughs> you know, just like the Zeke who stuff. Zeke was mad and Cowboy, mad, mad, mad. Okay. And Jerry was just joking. He made the joke to me in Hawaii, you know, about Zeke who. But it's part of what they, you know, this negotiation tactic. They don't, at the end of the day, when you sign on dotted line and get your money, everybody's happy. So people getting all oh, they, they, they were, that's part of negotiation. You know, so you're saying that they miss. I don't know if they misread the market. They just listen. If you're gonna be the fool to take, you know, uh, 
five million, they're going to pay you five million. Just like, you know, to me, we, we go back to, and, and I will go back to Blue in the Face, you know, we, we go back to, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, and, and and you look at these trades, and we know that Bill O'Brien did not get value for DeAndre Hopkins. And I would say right now, the Cowboys did not get value for Marco, but the Cowboys either misread or, or they helped spoil the water, the trade water. Well, they got a fifth round pick essentially for Mark Cooper. When you, and I'm not, you know, people, well, he's not Tyreek Hill. He's just not Devontae. He don't have to be Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams. He's, he's not getting a $30 million out of your salary like Tyreek Hill. And he's not, no one's asking for five picks. But the fifth round? What are you going to do? Uh, what do you think about the uh, offseason quarterback carousel and how it affects your Dallas Cowboys? Because I think well, we had eight I, quarterbacks I, move. Yeah. Well, I, again, the, the thing about the Cowboys, and, and, and as, as we said, NFC, I, I, I think that the NFC is lighter. You know, the, the power is in the AFC. You know, the talent in the AFC, the AFC is a stronger conference with the better players and, and the deeper teams, and they're going to be slugging it out. You know, it's funny because you look at the AFC West, and if one of those teams don't make the playoffs and one of those teams don't make the Super Bowl, after everything they've done, after what Oakland, what Raiders have done, and what Chargers have done, what Denver has done, you know, and look at Kansas City, somebody's going to be looking funny. <laughs> but as far as the Cowboys are concerned, I mean, and, and that's on their only saving grace is outside of the Rams and outside of uh, Tampa Bay, who scares me? Uh, I think you always got to respect Green Bay up there until proved up. You do, but he, he ain't got no quarterback. He ain't got no receiver. He don't have a receiver, and he ain't won since 09. We can have to respect him, but, you know, he ain't, you know, to me, you know, Jerry always talks about, you know, it's just one in my life, never win the Super Bowl, Tony Romo. You're going to say the same thing about Dak Prescott. The biggest yeah. shock in my life is that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers have won Super Bowl. Yeah. After what yeah. we, and it, to me, it's, it's based on what we thought when they won. You know, when, when, when Brett Favre won, Finally won, finally getting past the Cowboys and winning with, with, with Reggie White and everything they had. We thought Brett Falcon went two or three. No. Yeah. And, I, and we watched Aaron Rodgers and ATT setting with that offense and what they were rolling with. And just like Aaron Rodgers just hit this stride. He's been, he going to do the Brady. He's going to win two or three. He ain't been back. The win, bro. It is, man. I mean, and you're right. Cause that, that and, the, and Drew Brees only ever getting one with Sean Payton. Yeah. I mean, that that's. It really paints that picture. But to your point, man, you look at this and you look at the quarterbacks that were here with Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan out of the conference now, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's Rodgers in Green Bay, Stafford with the Rams, and, and, and Brady obviously with Tampa. But outside of that, and, and that's, again, it cycles back around when you look at how the NFC has really gotten weaker and the Cowboys haven't taken advantage of it. They have not gotten better. That's the thing about it is they, they've done nothing to improve this team. So far, everybody's well, they got cursed and they got they've held serve with some guys. They've held the goal is not to hold serve. The goal is to improve. They've done nothing to improve this team. Yeah. Not at all. And and that's where I think the struggle is gonna be. Oh, but we have the draft. You got the draft. I forgot. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> draft's important, buddy. No, the draft's important. Like the forces that come and, and I, you're right, Jacques, the draft's important, but it's you, there's no way you can sit here, I think, and look at this right now and believe that this team is better than the team that, that lost last year in the playoffs to San Francisco. No, I would say no. There's no I way. Uh, 
No, not not as of today, but uh, yeah. and ain't nobody you know, gonna feel good if you get to the Super Bowl and get boat raced by, by one of these talented AFC teams. Okay, AFC see, West, you, you, you can't compete. You, 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 you change, you change in the narrative, man. We just trying to get them to the NFC Championship game. We worry about getting boat raced after they get to the NFC Championship game. <laughs> boat race. You remember back in the nineties or the eighties when they were all the Super Bowls would blow out? The NFC was just blowing all of them. Oh yeah. There's a boat race every year. Yeah. The real championship game was the NFC Championship game. It may, it may be the case yep. now that the real championship game is the AFC, is the AFC Championship game. Boy, the Rams will have something to say about it because they still spending money. Like nobody's business. Well, they trying to. They, hey, man, I got I got number love for them. They trying to win while winning's available. Might as well. <laughs> oh well. All right, chill. That was a positive conversation. <laughs> I tried. <man. laughs> All right. Thanks for doing it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. Yep. Yeah, there it is. Clarence Hill Jr. Fort Worth Star Telegram. I mean, it it's. Right now, that's where the frustration is. And so I had never thought about it like he painted that picture, but he's right. For a franchise that prides itself on that stadium, that is the, and, and I know there's a salary cap, but a franchise that is the richest, the highest valued sports franchise on planet Earth, a franchise that built that beautiful complex up in Frisco at the Star talks about well we, we you know it's money here and money there and we we, we got to uh, what about this and what about that and i don't know I, I i i don't know man like to me honestly to me if they want sean payton if that's truly who he wants i don't give a rat's I, I don't care if it costs you 25 million a year go get him because that doesn't count on the cap if you want sean no. payton go get him yeah uh, but I mean, I think they like him. I think they like McCarthy. I don't think they're 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 tanking for the next season. That's that goes against everything Jerry's all about. No, I don't but think I they're think, tanking. I mean, regardless of whether they tank or not. Uh, you know, man. I think um, you know, I think sometimes we forget they did have a good year. They went twelve and five. They they destroyed it by a poor playoff performance. Um, but you know, we'll we just got the thing about it is we all want answers right now, but answers right now are not available. That's the beauty of the NFL. We end up talking about this and speculating and wanting. <laughs> That's true. You know, and I say that because we probably had some similar gripes this time last year, um, and certainly going into the minicans because we had no idea Micah Parsons was Micah Parsons, or Trayvon yeah. Diggs was Trayvon Diggs, or J. Ron Curse was J. Ron Curse, and so. There'll be, you hope, some other people this year. Like, what if Kelvin Joseph? Remember him? Oh, yeah, Bossman Fat. Right. Second-round pick from Kentucky. What if he is who they think he was supposed to be? And he's the cornerback. And all of a sudden, between him and Diggs and Anthony Brown, all of a sudden, now your, your corners are good and your safeties are good and nobody can throw against you. You know? And all of a sudden, your team is, is much better because you got something like that. Um, you know, I don't know if it's going to happen, but, you know, if you can get some improvement, the way they got Parsons, the way they got, uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs, mm -hmm. then you got a chance to do something. What if C.D. Lamb is everything we think he can be? Yeah, Michael you know? Gallup ba bounces back. Uh, sure. Right? So, I mean, if you want to if you want to say there's some reason for optimism, you got you got a blueprint, and then you add guys to the mix – um, and you got to have guys who can come in and play. It can't be first, second, third round pick sit there, sit and watch. You got to come in, hit the ground running, and really play. Um, you know, but dude, they got a lot of holes, man. Right now, they're not as good. You know, that great offensive line.
Pro Football Focus talked about the number one offensive line, which is all bullshit. I mean, it just was. Um, dude, they let two of those guys go, and you know they're actively trying to replace the third one, which is the center, Biotish. So they got to fix their offensive line. It doesn't have to be a bunch of number one picks or whatever. They just got to get guys who can play. They do. And, and to your – I will say this. We have seen some of these guys come in on one-year deals that have made an impact – and the Cowboys, for the most part, have been able to draft, especially in the last couple of years. They, they, they've drafted well. And, and not everybody hits. I, I mean, if you have eight picks in a draft, you're not hitting eight for eight. That's impossible. Right, right. But overall, they have had some, some solid drafts. No, they've been good. And that and, helps. Uh, and maybe they'll have another one, like you were talking about. I mean, if Kelvin Joseph shows up and does what he can do, you add him to, obviously, Micah, but then Odigizua, who showed a little something last year. Jabril, right. Jabril yeah. Cox, who I thought was going to be a baller until he got hurt, showed a little something last year. We'll see. Well, that's that's what I was talking about. I was talking to somebody about that. They're like, they need Bobby Wagner to get this. I said, don't forget about Cox, man. You know, Neville Gallimore plays a whole year, doesn't get hurt. Yeah. Um, they got some pieces to be a really good defense, and they have a lot of confidence uh, right now in uh, your boy Dan Quinn to make them do – you know, the best, uh, you know, to be the best that they can be. Now, see, I'm, I'm laughing at this because somebody just said, uh, I think this is true. Somebody on Twitter was like, Chris Olave will be visiting the Cowboys. Imagine Dak throwing to Gallup, Lamb, Washington, and Olave. Like, I don't think they'd spend a first-round pick on a receiver. Uh, that's just kind of a mindless thing I saw on Twitter. Uh, something that's not mindless, we just talked about a little while ago, man. Did you see that uh, Deshaun Watson – Second grand jury declined to charge him. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think Cleveland knew that going in, that that wasn't going to be a thing. I don't know that you would trade for a guy and give up that type of money and that type of capital without like, hey, this is also on the way. From what I had read earlier, somebody kind of alluded that the agent knew about this and then Cleveland was aware that this was coming. So now they did. I don't know if they knew that he wouldn't be charged, but they knew that like this wasn't a surprise. There was one more of these things yeah. that was out there. Oh, no. I, th- I think the key is you didn't think he was going to get charged. Right, right, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard situation. I don't sit here and think that 22 people are making up uh, allegations against Deshaun Watson and he's been wronged in that way. Uh, but the bottom line is, um, and, you know, this is why our justice system is all about. He's not charged. So he's not guilty. Well, Uh, anybody who's ever seen the movie Unlawful Citizen, you're familiar with this line that Jamie Foxx would tell Gerard Butler. It's not about what you know. It's about what you can prove. No, absolutely. Exactly. And so exactly there might have very well been something that happened. But if you can't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, and these grand juries obviously looked at it and thought not enough here for us. No, he's an innocent man, and he moves forth. Now, civil court is different, and when they sue his ass, we'll see what happens with all that because civil court is is a, a different. What, what would it's you call a it? different beast? Yeah, a different level of proof or whatever the phrase is. I can't yeah, think. Yeah, you don't the top need you don't need nearly enough uh, burden uh, of proof. Evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's much different there. You don't need nearly as much to uh, to uh, state your case and have it have it done. All right, that wraps it up for us. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see what happens over the weekend. I mean, more NFL. I mean, this, again, the craziest NFL season, offseason ever continues. And (laughs) on Sunday, we will officially know who is playing in the Final Four in New Orleans coming up. As Believe it or not, this upcoming weekend is the final weekend of March. We're already moving forward into April. 
Jesus. The first quarter of 2022 is done and in the books. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.